Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host Matt Strong and Allie Terry. Happy November, everybody. Yes, it's officially the first week of November. We are on episode 23. I hope everyone had a good Halloween. Yeah, what did you guys dress up as? Natalia, what did you dress up as? Uh, I dressed up as like a slutty crackhead deer i don't know people were calling me it was cute what i will say that like i i felt better as that stupid deer than i did as like a normal person i was like (laughs) am i a furry now like do i just go to work dressed like this you should why not yeah um that could be your thing the like you could like brand yourself as the furry pilates oh wow you get some new clients oh wow yeah all all i know is we went to sorry uh, can you imagine someone in a mascot suit doing pilates i don't (laughs) i absolutely i I can't think about the sweat tickles my fancy for some reason i love it your head wouldn't even fit on the reformer it would be so funny wow that's like a (laughs) very niche humor for people who have done reformer pilates yeah have you ever used a reformer you guys or a proformer let us know in the soundcloud comments (laughs) below (laughs) we did like a little surprise party me and Alyssa did for Mm -hmm. uh, our friend Amy she was turning 30 she was the intern in our recent vlog yeah you guys um leave her nice comments in the YouTube video if you missed the vlog it is uploaded to youtube.com forward slash c forward slash let's get haunted and you can click on we only have two videos on there so if you get lost that seems like a you problem but it is the video titled area 51 yeah and uh so we threw her a surprise party for her 30th birthday at this club in LA and everyone was in costume well little known to me was that there was like a costume I guess like what do you call it like a contest yeah and the I guess they just wanted it to be like girls are in it guys are in it they just like wanted it to seem like an event I did not apply to be in this contest I did not want to be in this contest (laughs) when I was very very drunk at around like 1 30 in the morning someone comes up to me and they're like bambi get on stage we nominated you for the contest and it's going to cause more of a scene to be like i will not be a part of this contest (laughs) and i like there was a guy that was dressed as pennywise who was clearly gonna win yo that guy was alone did you know that he came to the club alone for that costume contest terrifying he had a red balloon he was scary as fuck looking and It was a very authentic looking costume. He was definitely going to win. So I like also didn't want to go up there because I was like, look, I know what you guys are doing. You just want me to go up there to make it look like this is a competition. That's, you know, your business is fun and whatever. But I'm not going to win this competition. I never asked to be a part of this narrative. But then I fucking had to do it because everyone's looking at me. and I don't want to be like the wet blanket. So I go up there and I like have to do a stupid Bambi dance. Like I like make my arms smaller for some reason. Yeah, and jump around. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this is just like so exploitive. And then you got second place, right? And then, yeah. And then they gave me second place and whatever. And then they were like... Silver medal. (sighs) But I didn't... Natalia, you got the silver that you've been looking for. Oh, wow. See, I'm just such an ungrateful bitch. I feel like every episode, there's some something where you either find gold or silver. Last episode, it was that you have golden blood. Oh. This episode, it's that you got silver in the costume contest. Oh, wow. I think you're surrounded by treasure in your life at all times. Wow. I don't know why I want to fight you right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> you want to know why? It's because I fucking burnt my fucking tongue. I can't talk right right now. Oh. I burnt my tongue because I ate Chick-fil-A and it's what I deserve. I know it's bad, but lunch break was almost over and they have a drive through And I went through and I got the spicy chicken sandwich mm. deluxe. And it was so hot that I think it was illegal. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, it was really that spicy? No, no, no. Not that kind of hot, like temperature wise. Oh, And right. I literally burnt off the front part of my tongue. Like, do you know, do you know what geographic tongue looks like? No, what? I don't have geographic tongue, but that's what it looks like. It's, it's this condition where like the papillae or whatever it's called. The, oh, papillae. The papillae. I don't, yeah, it's like the little like towel, like the little terry. Yeah, like where you can like taste things. Mm-hmm. So when, when like you get sick, sometimes they can swell yeah. and they get like, they're like super bumpy. Okay. Other times when you like burn the shit out of your mouth, <laughs> you have, it's like smooth in certain parts. Oh, wow. So the entire tip of my tongue, it's like why I can't talk right right now. The entire tip of my tongue is completely like smooth. Wow. It looks like a map. That's why it's it, called geographic. Yeah. It's gross. What if your tongue has a map to treasure on it? I mean, if it does, it's hiding it really well because right now it's just an inconvenience. So you have a smooth, the tip of your tongue is smooth it's right now. It's circles. It's like, well, the front portion of my tongue is completely smooth. I burned the <laughs> shit out of it. And then... Is it going to come back? Yeah, it's going to come back. I I didn't go to a doctor because I'm trying this new thing where I don't go to the doctor for yeah, every I was, problem I have. I was very yeah. shook just now when you said I didn't go to the doctor. Yeah, I didn't go and it hurts really, really bad. And I also have a low grade fever, but that's probably not not related. But <laughs> but I just burned the shit out of my tongue. This is on Tuesday. And so now every like I talk and it's so punchable. Mm. Like because I can't make S noises very well. Mm. So that was what it was. It was just yeah. like subliminally like you talking. Like you to knew me. something was wrong with my voice because I can do you hear this? Like I can't oh. it's I can't. Yeah, I think I was just annoyed because I was bitching about this contest and you're like, actually, you should be grateful because you've got silver. (laughs) And I was just like, lately, I think I've been super haunted and I'm a Gemini. My ruling planet is in retrograde right now, but that doesn't explain why I've been so fucking bitchy and annoyed (laughs) with everyone for the past month when it wasn't in retrograde. I don't know. Like, do you ever just have those times where you just feel like everything is like pointed at you? And I know that it's not, but it's like because I'm in that headspace everything is annoying the shit out of me. Well, I also just have times where I'm not actually mad or annoyed at anything, but I want to be. So like, because it makes me feel better to vent, like if I'm in like a weird headspace. So I'll pick something that's a minor inconvenience like my tongue and, I'll, and I'm like bitching about it and then somebody like depending on who I'm talking to they're gonna be like oh well, that doesn't sound that bad look on the bright side and if you're not in the right frame of mind you're just like no fuck you my tongue hurts yeah, yeah. I know well I've, yeah. been, I've been trained to get through these hard times I, a long time ago I told you guys about how you just have to stop feeling sorry for yourself and you just have to be I love the yeah, smell of napalm in the morning you gave a great motivational speech I know I know I just I think I just have it too good lately. Like it's like life's been too easy and I'm just like Gotta feeling... create some chaos. Yes. Well, I mean, there's still two months left to the year. There's plenty more chaos to be had, I'm sure. <laughs> Natalia brought the nut button. I did. I did. Also, we got something in the P.O. box today. Oh, yeah, we did. Do you want to read the letter? To the wonderful ladies at Let's Get Haunted. My name is Kinley. Allie, you may remember me from RTX. 
I bought a Whataburger gift card for everybody oh, to yeah. have lunch as a way of showing my love and appreciation. Kinley was so nice. Yeah, she brought a Whataburger gift card and gave it to us at the SP7 uh, meet and greet. Oh, that's and so nice. I know, because we don't have Whataburger in California. And she was like, before you leave, you guys have to try it. Oh, man. I know. That was super nice. I just wanted to say that I love this podcast. This is probably the only one that I will listen to as soon as the episodes come out. Love You're both- you, Kinley. Oh, You're both so captivating and entertaining that it just makes the episodes go by too fast. I work for a jewelry company out of Bandera, Texas, a really small town, probably haunted. (laughs) I agree. We'll look into it. And we just started a t-shirt line. A couple of months back, I made this crystal ball design for our Halloween connection, and I knew you guys would love it. I used a real crystal ball for reference and digitally painted the crystal ball by myself to look like a galaxy. The rest of our Halloween t-shirts can be found on our website, jforksdesigns.com, and there are more coming soon. Thank you for everything you do, and I look forward for the next episode. Kinley Rice, at Kinley210 on Insta, and at Control Freak, and it's spelled F-R-3-4-K on Twitter. Kinley, we are both wearing the shirts that you sent us right now. These shirts are super cute. They're gray and it has a crystal ball on it. And then at the bottom of the crystal ball, it says witchy. Yeah, it says witchy. And then it has a symbol on the side. It's super cute. Actually, when I first walked up uh, before we started recording, Natalia looked at my shirt and she was like, oh, wow. Like, I like how subtle that is. Like, it's it's not in your face. It's minimalist. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you so much, Kinley. I wore it to sleep last night and I'm wearing it again today because I burnt the shit out of my tongue (laughs) and I can wear whatever I want. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> That's so nice. Yes, everybody, send us stuff to our P.O. Box. It's P.O. Box 1658, Camarillo, California, 93011. This is so good. When you address it to us, you have to either use my name or Natalia's name. You can't write Let's Get Haunted because they were going to charge me extra and make me show a business license, which we don't have, mm. if I were to accept mail as Let's Get Haunted. Yeah. So we're trying to be shady here, guys. Look, we're bootlegging as much as we can to save money. Uh-huh. Uh, also, I'm technically supposed to show an ID for Natalia because her name is on my P.O. box. But I talked to the guy and I was like, here's the deal. She doesn't live here. She, there's no way I'm going to get it. It's just because we have a podcast. Can you please? And he was like, oh, all right, I'll listen to it sometime. Yeah, that's fine. Just write it down here. I'll add it into the system later. So I, was I like, am so yeah. fucking surprised by how interested people are in our podcast. I don't talk about the podcast a lot because I don't want to be like annoying. And yeah, like, but I do talk about the stories we cover a lot. The other day I was talking to someone in a company adjacent to where I work and he was talking about Inverness. Uh, oh, this actually, never mind. This isn't going to be related to our podcast at all, but it is related. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, Inverness, right. is okay. that a spell? Let me what finish. Is that? Okay, I'll just finish since it started. So he's talking about Inverness, which I guess is a city in Northern California. Well, I know what Inverness is because for my birthday we went to scotland and we went to inverness which is where the loch ness monster is yeah and so okay, that's what yeah and so i'm and because i'm going to cover the loch ness monster in a future episode which i just spoiled it you um, always have better ideas than me you can do you want the loch ness monster idea well, no i don't want it because you came up with it or you can do the chupacabra somebody well, stop, recommended that to us stop it stop telling me <laughs> okay all right well but anyway so he's talking about like he's like this middle-aged man who has like a very professional white collar job and he's like yeah you know my relatives in inverness blah blah and i was like oh did you know that Inverness is actually a city in Scotland where the Loch Ness monster lives and as soon as it left my mouth I was like why why did I 
why why did I say this in front of like a room full of like middle-aged white collar people and then he's I mean you know everyone's polite so they're like oh really but like they don't give a shit and I'm like oh yeah I mean you know it might not exist I don't know gotta go (laughs) yeah I will say that people though when they find out we have a podcast and I tell them oh well you know it's just about like paranormal haunted stuff like you know like vampires and werewolves and and true crime everyone's face lights up and they're like oh I have a brother that saw a ghost yeah but I love those stories and I I constantly Mm -hmm. tell people like anytime anybody tweets at me DMs me or says something to me via text I'm always like send us an email so that I can read it on a future listener story because I would much rather have that written so that I don't forget anything because I'm genuinely so interested in these stories I'm like don't verbally tell me write it to me so that I can keep rereading it right and two it's like when you have like five different social medias a way to reach everybody it gets hard to keep everything organized so people sometimes tell me really cool stuff and then I'm trying to like remember for a future episode like there was someone who was telling me something about something but where was that did we already say thank you to Kenley for these shirts oh I don't know Kenley thank you thank you Kenley you're the best also somebody made us a song on SoundCloud yes they did and we're gonna use it for the outro for this episode because it's so good mm-hmm. who made the song his name was Mikey BDX7 you have it memorized yes Natalia coming uh, in clutch. I know. Mikey on Twitter. BDX7 on, on Twitter. Twitter. Thank you so much, Mikey, for making this song. Your song was so good. And your his sister did the artwork at D-D-E-S-S-P-A-I-R or Despair on Instagram. She made this art. It's so fucking cute. So there's a black cat, an alien abducting. There's a sign that says Elisa Lamb found, a sign that has an alien with little like hieroglyphics on it. There's a bunch of stars. Um, There's treasure, hidden staircase in the woods, a nut button, a man in black, and a lighthouse. Speaking of lighthouses. Natalia, what did we do the other day? We saw this movie called The Lighthouse that was 35 millimeter um, black and white. If you don't know what that means, it means that it's literally like shot on a real camera. So it's not digital. So the quality of the film is very different. It's in black and white. And the aspect ratio is different than what you see in theaters today. So if you see it in the theater, it's going to look like it doesn't take up the entire screen. So it's very artsy. It features Robert Pattinson, who looks like a fucking snack. Yeah. And it as features usual, though. Willem Dafoe, who also looks like a different kind of snack. <laughs> he looks like an old sea snack that's yes. been left in the sun for 20 years. <laughs> he looks like a little seaweed snack where it's yeah. like crunchy. Yeah. And then Robert Pattinson is like just a warm bowl of miso soup. Mm. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. He does look good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what. There's masturbating in the movie movie um, we don't want to ruin anything so basically we want you guys to see it it's inspired by you remember on one of the episodes we told the story of this lighthouse yeah or the, Alyssa the lost lighthouse keepers of Eileon Moore and it was about a Eileon light more Eileon remember I had a guy from Scotland tell me how to pronounce it and I don't remember lost islands of Eileon yeah. <laughs> that that episode featured an island out in the middle of fucking nowhere that was like impossible to get to super secluded and there was a lighthouse on it and like people either went crazy or there was like sirens and mermaids or like fucked up stuff happened to it you have to listen to the episode otherwise Mm -hmm. you're not gonna understand what i'm talking about um and then this movie featured 
a very secluded uh, island with a lighthouse on it. And Robert Pattinson, uh, Willem Dafoe is like the PMK, the... No, no, he's not the PMK. He's the principal lighthouse keeper, the PLK. The PLK. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's in charge of the lighthouse. And then Robert Pattinson's character is really young, comes on. He's like new to to the lighthouse game. This is his first job. And it's like a super secluded place, super far away from society. So Willem Dafoe's character, who's like literally the the lost Dutchman, like he has a peg leg. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're, I've been here on this island here taking care of this lighthouse. And you're like, he's like literally a pirate. I want to say he's like an old sea captain that went down with the ship like he just and then like somehow washed ashore. This is not the plot of the movie at all. So this is not spoiling anything. We're just describing what these characters look like. Right. But he really has been on this island for 13 years, though. So he said he had been on this island for 13 Christmases away from his wife. Right. And so he's kind of like been secluded in this lifestyle for a long time. The last um, and then Robert Pattinson, this is his first time to be here. This is like his first, like, I, I don't know, like, f- what you call it, but he's like basically the bitch of Willem Dafoe on this right. island. Yeah, he's the assistant lighthousekeeper. Yeah, so it's about their relationship stuck on this island. There's a big storm coming and they're both just kind of like struggling to keep their sanity. There's a ton of mythology involved with like Neptune. There's fucking mermaids. There's like all of this uh, like seabird situation. You guys really need to see it because it was really, really cool and I totally support it because it was literally an art film. If you respect art or film at all like you will see this and love it and also it was super interesting having researched that lighthouse episode um i watched part of the gerard butler film in the process of researching for that episode that film sucked um (laughs) it was not good at all and that film is like they openly admit like oh it's inspired by this Island Moore lighthouse keeper story. Um, and so then when this new film came out and you guys were all tagging us in it, I was really excited because I was like, okay, awesome. Maybe they're finally going to do it justice. And I think they strayed away from the original story just enough because it's, it's an art film, like yeah. Natalia said. So like, it's not like in your face with a narrative at all. Right. Um, but there was just like some parallels that I don't want to give away. Like if you listen to that episode and you enjoyed it, definitely watch the film and either drop a comment or tweet at us or leave a comment on our Instagram, tell us what parallels you noticed because I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it was just really cool seeing like what they kept in and like what they changed. Lots of symbolism. Yeah, and we can talk about it in the Discord or the subreddit or something. Oh, good idea on the Discord. See it, guys. Because it's one of those movies where after you see it, you have to talk it through to be like, was the way that I interpreted this the way that you interpreted it? And that's the kind of movies that I love to see. So also, if you know other movies like that that have parallels to any episode we've covered, let us know because I want to see Okay, so a uh, very last thing I wanted to say to you guys is again, the last thing ever before we do a murder suicide. Yeah. Oh God. Just don't kidding. even. Don't even put that into the universe. Because uh, then when it happens, they'll be like, "Look, it was planned." Like, <laughs> um, is again, go watch the vlog if you haven't watched it yet. It came out on Halloween, and then just a reminder in the description of that vlog you can see the names of all of the donors who made that trip possible we're so grateful to you guys and so grateful thank you so much we also listed everybody's name off in episode 19 the uh, men in black episode on my tombstone it's just gonna be a giant list of, of, donors? of donors oh my god that's genius. it's gonna be like thank you for making my life like worth it this tombstone made possible through the help of <laughs> and then like a list of all the donors you guys if you could and so 
along that note, if you guys want to donate to us, we are 100% listener and viewer funded. We do not have any ads on this show right now. We would like to have them, but we don't. <laughs> um, it costs us money to make this show. We don't even break even. So mm. if you feel like you want to donate again no pressure however if you feel like you want to donate we do really appreciate it and literally can, anything like 69 cents is great yeah people donate bucks four dollars and 20 cents is great amazing six dollars 66 cents you got perfect. it perfect yeah one penny i don't care like just make it happen yeah and we appreciate it and then we shout you out mm-hmm. on the episodes yep. so if you want to do that you can reach us at venmo my venmo at is at dogmom usa my Venmo is at Nat Strawn. And then uh, if you're not a Venmo person, you're more of a PayPal person. Natalia, what's your PayPal? It's paypal.me slash Nat Strawn. And just make sure you put in the donation. Let's get haunted or yes. LGH because otherwise we'll just think it's for us. Exactly. Yeah, because we both have side projects going on. Um, and then if you prefer to use coffee, you can send me a coffee at ko.fi forward slash uh, Dog Mom USA. I think mm-hmm. that's what my link is. I mean, you can just search Dog Mom USA. I'm the only person that pops up. Yeah. Yeah. On coffee. Just make sure that you say it's for LGH. And actually, I think we did get two donations, Natalia. Evelyn Wagner and Alexandra Miguel, who says, Hi, just wanted to let you know that your reaction to a strange man in a van is perfect. Always act on your instincts, especially in those situations. Apologize later. Can't say sorry if you get taken. Liam Neeson can't save us all. Love the show. (laughs) Stay safe and spooky. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Alexandra. And thank you to Evelyn. And then Natalia, you had gotten one. Julio Gallegos. Thank you, Julio. And thank you, Evelyn. And thank you, Alexandra. He said, all of these LGH episodes are pure gold. And I can't wait to see the vlog. You guys are so nice. Thank you, guys. Okay, Natalia. No. I have... (laughs) I won't. No? No. You won't engage with me this episode? (laughs) Um, I have an episode for you today that I'm going to give you the title of. Normally, I don't give you the title of the episode before I finish. It's called The Greenbrier Ghost. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to kind of tell you what this story is about before I even tell it to you. So, you know, it's way different than the stories I normally tell you. I'm going to tell you about the first and only time in U.S. history that a ghost testified in their own murder trial no yeah what yes what yes how oh i will fucking tell you how are you ready for this shit i'm so ready i have so many questions already but i'm gonna try to be patient okay all right so greenbrier county is a county within the state of west virginia in the united states Prior to the arrival of European settlers in the 1740s, the area was used as a hunting ground by the Shawnee and Cherokee nations. They called this land Kentucky. In 1876... Kentucky? uh, I think that's probably where Kentucky got its name because West Virginia is right next door to Kentucky. So they called that whole hunting area Can-C-A-N-T-U-C-K-E-E. See, this podcast is so informative. We learn so much here. In 1876, a woman named Elva Zona Hester was born in Greenbrier County to her mother, Mary Jane Hester, and her father, Jacob Hester. Not much is known about her early life, except that she gave birth out of wedlock in 1895 at the age of 19. The year after giving birth, Elva met a drifter named Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. No, what? No, stop. (laughs) Trout Shoe? 
Are those two different words? Two different words. How do you spell that? Okay, so his first name is Erasmus. Okay, fine. I'll accept it. Middle name is Stribling. Mm, last, sure. Last name is Shu. S-H-O-U. S-H-U-E. And he goes by the name Trout. T-R-O-U-T. Yes, like the fish. And when he introduces himself, he says, my name is Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. Fine. I'm only going to accept it because even though it sounds fucking stupid in English, it also sounds like it's like a cultural name. No, no. I looked up. Okay, let me tell you what I did for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking bought a month trial at ancestry.com to figure out where this guy was from because i was so confused by the name oh my no, god he's Alyssa. american through and through i found his dad i found his grandpa like okay so he's already haunted because his family gave him that name trout shoe is come on guys i know that's so fish that's, don't have feet and they don't wear shoes it sounds like your feet smell okay so like i said this girl elva right mm-hmm She's 19, has a child out of wedlock in 1895. This is like fucking scandalous for the time. The year after she gives birth, she meets this trout guy in 1896, and he's a wandering drifter. Erasmus, who went by the nickname Trout, had moved to Greenbrier in search of a new life following the death of his wife, Lucy A. Tritt, who had died the year before in 1895. Trout was soon employed by local Greenbrier blacksmith, James Crookshanks, who ran his own... (laughs) I fucking can't with these names. Is that a pirate? James Crookshanks. James Crookshanks? Yeah. Is that a pirate? No, he's a blacksmith. I'm just an old blacksmith named James Crookshanks. That's the name of Hermione's cat in Harry Potter. Like, this is like a very good source of names. If anybody's going to write a novel in the future, go on Ancestry.com and look up people that lived in the 1800s in West Virginia. Trout was soon employed by local Greenbrier blacksmith James Crookshanks, who ran his own shop in the town. Trout charmed Elva, and just a few short weeks after meeting, the two married on October 20th, 1896, despite Elva's mother's disapproval. And there's a bunch of different stories that are, like, debatable about how this marriage took place. It sounds like the most reliable source says that they literally eloped because Mm. her parents were like, no, you're 19, you have a child. Why are you marrying this wandering drifter named Trout Shoe? He, like, took her to a different county to get married and then the guy doing the wedding was like, no, I'm not going to do this because this is fucked up. Like, I object. Right. And then he, like, took her to a different county and married her. And she had no family present at the wedding. Doomed. Yeah. So just three months later after their wedding, on January 23rd, 1897, Zona would be found dead inside the home that she and Trout shared. Wait, who's Zona? That's the girl. Oh, it was? I yeah. thought her name was Elva. It's Elva Zona Hurst. She goes by Zona. So I'm going to start using Zona from now on. Okay. So just three months later on January 23rd, 1897, Zona would be found dead inside the home that she and Trout shared. The story goes that on the morning of Zona's death, Trout Shu showed up at a local woman's doorstep in Greenbrier asking for a favor. He asked if the woman's 11-year-old son could go to the Shu's house to collect some eggs from their chickens and to ask Zona if she needed anything from town. Why? Why would he need to do that? So I guess this family is a black family and they often did like maid services for other people in the town or did like 
chores or errands. So he's basically saying, I'm too busy to deal with this chicken thing today. Can you, right. while I'm busy doing other stuff, can you go like get these eggs and talk to my wife and ask her what else she wants you to do? Exactly. So the boy followed Trout's request and went to the Shoe family farm. However, when he knocked on the door to ask Zona if she needed anything from town, no one answered. He then noticed that there was blood on the porch. He tried the door handle and found that the front door was unlocked, so he opened the door. There, at the foot of the stairs to the second floor, Zona was stretched out, dead, with her feet together and one hand on her stomach. Her eyes were open. The boy went over to Zona and shook her, and she did not wake up. He noticed that she was cold. The boy rushed back to his house to tell his mother and to tell Trout. Trout immediately went back to his house while the boy and his mother went to get the local doctor, George W. Knapp, who got the doctor she's dead though right this doctor is also the town's coroner i mean he's a little kid maybe they're like you know he doesn't know if she's dead or not like let's get the doctor slash coroner i mean and he's also a coroner so it's just like two birds one stone and then the blood did he find blood on her or just in front of the door so he says that he saw blood around the body and that he saw blood on the front porch okay it took nap the doctor slash coroner over an hour to arrive to the shoe farm, and by the time he got there, Trout had carried his wife's body upstairs to the bedroom and laid her out on the bed. He dressed the corpse himself. This was unusual, as traditionally, the job of washing and preparing the body for burial would be undertaken by the women of the community. Nevertheless, Trout dressed Zona in a high-necked dress with a stiff collar and placed a veil over her face. He remained by the corpse while Dr. Knapp examined it, cradling his wife's head and sobbing. Knapp, noting the husband's grief, gave the body only a brief examination, noting some bruising on the neck. When he tried to look closer, Shu reacted so violently that Knapp ended the examination and left the house. Knapp wrote out Zona's death certificate, where he listed her cause of death as everlasting faint. What the fuck is that? Back in the day, it was like a way to say heart failure, aka we don't know how she died, but her heart stopped beating. Uh -huh. Everlasting faint. Oh. But that just seems like a cop-out to me. Okay, but then later, Dr. Knapp changes her cause of death from everlasting faint to childbirth, which makes literally no sense because according to everyone, she was not pregnant. It had been over uh, a year since she had her kid, and she'd only known Shu for three months. So it's like, obviously, she wasn't going to be in childbirth at that time unless it was a miscarriage. But like, according to everybody like who saw the body, she was not, there was no miscarriage happening. Okay. But according to Knapp, he had been treating her for quote unquote female trouble for two weeks before her death. Oh. But female trouble back in the day could be anything. You have hysteria, you're manic, quote unquote, or you're having your just like a really bad period. When Zona's mother was informed of her daughter's death, she is quoted as saying, that devil has killed her, referring to Trout. I mean, that's my first thought. Right. Yeah. Fishy. <laughs> Get yeah, it. Because well, he's Trout. Especially since before the coroner gets there, he takes the body and puts it in a stiff-necked collar and there's bruising on the neck. Right. And then he like covers her face with a veil and like is getting really violent when the guy is trying to get near her to do the examination. Yeah. Zona was buried on January 24th, 1897 in the local cemetery now known as the Soul Chapel Methodist Cemetery. Shu showed great devotion toward the body, keeping a vigil at the head of the open coffin during the move. The body was laid out in the Hester household. Soon, his behavior began to arouse suspicion. During the wake, his grief changed repeatedly from overwhelming sadness to incredible energy. 
He allowed no one to come close to the coffin, especially while he was placing a pillow on one side of her head and a rolled up sheet on the other. He explained these additions by saying that they would help his wife rest easier in the afterlife. Shu also tied a large scarf at the corpse's neck, explaining tearfully that it had been Zona's favorite. Okay, he clearly strangled this girl. <laughs> like, come on. When it came time to move the corpse to the cemetery though, Several people noticed that there seemed to be a strange looseness to Zona's head. For her part, Mary Jane Hester was convinced that her son-in-law had murdered his wife. After the wake, she removed the sheet from inside the coffin and tried to return it to him, but he refused. She noticed an odd odor about it, so she washed it. The water in the basin turned red when she dropped the sheet in. The sheet then turned pink and the water cleared. The stain could not be removed, which Mrs. Hester interpreted as a sign from the afterlife that Zona had been murdered. Whoa, wait, wait, wait a second. This sheet was white and then it turned pink in the what? So the sheet was white. She put it in water and all of a sudden the water turns bright <gasps> red and then she pulls the sheet out and the sheet is now pink and now the water's clear again. So spooky. Spooky. Yeah, like, this is some paranormal that's shit. That's paranormal. Right, exactly. She interprets this as a sign that, like, her daughter's trying to communicate with her. Zona's trying to communicate with her and is trying to say, hey, I've been murdered. Right. So Mrs. Hester starts to pray every single night for four weeks straight, hoping that Zona will return to her to explain what had really happened to her. On the fourth week of praying for a sign from her daughter, Mary Jane, which is Mrs. Hester, was in bed one night when a bright light in her room awoke her. Confused, Mary Jane sat up to try to discern where the light was coming from. The light got brighter and brighter, slowly filling the room. As the light got brighter, the room got colder. Finally, the light formed into the shape of a person. The person was Zona. <gasps> it worked. It worked. Zona told her mother that she had heard her prayers and come back to tell the truth about her husband. She said that Trout was a cruel man who abused her and who had attacked her in a fit of rage when he believed that she had cooked no meat for dinner. Zona said that he had killed her by breaking her neck. To prove this, the ghost slowly floated upward, then turned her head completely around until it was facing backwards on her body. No. No, 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 no. no. Right? That is horrifying can you even fucking imagine that's like a scene out of the exorcism a ghost visits you and is like just spins their head around right and like this is your daughter who is appearing as like this see-through ghostly visage of a human mm -hmm. in like a flowy fucking dress and you're cold and you're cold as hell <laughs> she's like a bright white light floats up from the ground by a foot and goes i was murdered i was strangled to death and i'll prove it rotates her head completely around so that it's facing back backwards so now you're looking at your daughter the with her head, her head facing backwards zona's spirit appeared four nights in a row revealing more and more details about the murder to her mother each time mary jane told one of her neighbors what had happened and the news soon spread like wildfire around the village the villagers began looking into trout's past and found that he had not been truthful when he moved to greenbrier not only had he changed his name which used to be edward he had also failed to mention that Zona had not been his first wife, nor even his second wife. Trout's first marriage to Ali Esteline Cutlip in 1885 produced a child, Goethe Lucretia. Trout reportedly beat his wife, Esty, so badly that a group of vigilantes dragged him out of bed one winter night and threw him through the ice in the Greenbrier River. It is unclear whether this incident occurred before or after the birth of their baby girl in February of 1887. 
The marriage ended in divorce four years later while Trout was in the state penitentiary serving time for horse stealing. That's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. He chose that stupid fucking name? <laughs> he chose Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe when his real name was Edward. I mean, that to me is the weirdest of all of it. It's and like, then also this group of vigilantes that comes into his home and pulls him out of bed and then just throws him through a frozen river. And you want to know who these people were? Yes. It was three teenagers and their school teacher. That's amazing. That is fucking tight. Well, and I guess it was kind of common knowledge that like, oh, yeah, like Edward just beats the shit out of his wife and she's pregnant. And like, isn't that sad? But at the time, I mean, it's the 1800s. It's like, yeah. what are you going to do? Right. And so but these three teenage boys and their school teacher were like, no, fuck that. Like, this is messed up. Like, yeah. why is nobody doing this? Anything about this? So they went one night, knocked on his door. He answered the door. It was like one in the morning or something. They pull him out in like his nightgown. It's like snowing out. Like there's yeah. ice over the river. They take him, carry him and just throw him through the ice in the river. River, which like you could absolutely yeah. murder someone right they're hoping you yeah they're probably hoping and then he somehow crawls out and then goes to the cops and is like hey these three guys threw me through the ice and they were with their school teacher the tight thing is that the whole village bands together and is like no like that the boy was with me that night <laughs> like everyone has alibis for all of them so nothing happens right and then um trout slash edward steals a bunch of horses or something over a period of time and so then he's thrown in the state penitentiary and his wife divorces him and like moves back in with her parents i mean this guy just sounds like a class a piece of shit and i have pictures that i'll show you of what he looked like and stuff that i got off of ancestry.com well, he must have been really hot why are all these women falling for him he must have had good dick so the everything that i read was like yeah his story where he came from and what his name was was colorful but he was very charismatic he was good looking he was young he was a good talker so so people yeah. just believed him. Yeah. He's got demons. He does have demons. Maybe he is a demon. We don't know. I mean, he survived that ice. So in June of 1894, Shu married again, this time to Lucy Ann Tritt from the town of Alderson. They lived with his parents on Droop Mountain near the town of Hillsborough, where Lucy died less than eight months after their marriage. There was no investigation, and the local newspaper stated only that she had died suddenly. Trout had told people that she had slipped and hit her head on a rock. Do you buy that? Like, No. No, me neither. But I guess nobody else bought that either, because he had this reputation like he had beat the crap out of his first wife. Right, he was just got out of jail. For stealing horses. Mm -hmm. Marries this new girl. And I guess this girl was like 16 when he married her. And I know that like at the time people got married younger but apparently all the village folk were like this is weird so you say it was normal for people to marry you know at 16 at that time but it's like yes it's legal in the united states to get married when you're 18 people are like mm, i don't know if you guys should be doing that right especially if it's to like a guy with a reputation like that yeah i'm sure her parents were like please don't do this but i mean it seems like he was just able to pull the wool over these women's eyes they're super and, naive. yeah they're young yeah, naive young. or he gets them pregnant and then mm -hmm. elopes with them so after after telling neighbors of her ghostly visits from Zona, Mary Jean Hester, her mom, visited the prosecuting attorney for Greenbrier County, the Honorable John Alfred Preston, and spent several hours in his office convincing him to reopen the matter of her daughter's death. 
Whether he believed her story of the ghost is unknown, but he did have enough doubt to dispatch deputies to re-interview several people of interest in the case, including Dr. Knapp, the coroner. He was likely responding to public sentiment as numerous locals had begun suggesting that Zona had been murdered. Preston himself went to speak to Dr. Knapp, who stated that he had not made a complete examination of the body. This was viewed as sufficient justification for an autopsy, and an exhumation was ordered and an inquest jury formed. Zona's body was examined on February 22nd, 1897 in the local one-room schoolhouse. Wait, so they dug up her decaying body two months later? They dug it up a month later. Ew. So they dig her up and they take her to the schoolhouse because they don't have like a medical examiner's office. And Trout who had, quote-unquote, vigorously complained about this turn of events, was required by law to be present at the autopsy. And you know who else was required to be present at the autopsy, which is, like, really fucked up? Her mom? No, the 11-year-old kid that found her. (gasps) I don't want to see a a dead body a month after it died. This is literally a child who, first of all, had to go through the trauma of finding... Why does he have to be present? That's just what the law said. The guy that found her and the guy that they think is guilty need to be present. Because he has a job that's like a man, then we treat him like a man. We treat him like a man. He needs to be there. Yeah, it's fucked up. When I was 11, I was like playing in sprinklers. Yeah, sliding on a slip and slide, playing with like fucking stray cats. Yeah, I was absolutely... (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry, but those stray cats would claw the shit out of you if you tried to take them (laughs) those were two separate things that i would do i would go on slip and slides and then separate of that i would try to i would try to make the cats in the neighborhood play with me so anyway trout this 11 year old kid i think his last name was anderson they're present plus the medical examiner and the prosecutor and in this one room schoolhouse overseeing this autopsy and they also brought in two outside physicians to help dr knapp so the autopsy lasted three days and was conducted by the by three physicians total dr knapp and then two others as is common practice in an autopsy for the time the doctors examined zona's stomach for poison and checked the other vital organs of the chest and abdomen working around the head and neck the doctors began to whisper to each other one of the doctors turned to trout and said well, Shu, we have found your wife's neck to have been broken. According to the report published on March 9, 1897, quote, the discovery was made that the neck was broken and the windpipe mashed. On the throat were the marks of fingers, indicating that she had been choked. The neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. The ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had been crushed at a point in the front of the neck. On the strength of this evidence and his behavior at the inquest, Trout was arrested and charged with the murder of his wife and jailed in Lewisburg to await trial. Preston, the prosecuting attorney, and his assistant, Henry Gilmer, set about building a case against Trout. Trout continued to say from jail, as he had earlier, they will not be able to prove that I did it. And he freely spoke to inmates about his desire... But him him saying, I did it... This man. I know. This this fucking horse stealer. I'm pissed about that. Do you know how hard it is to train a horse? Stealing someone's horse is fucked up. So hard to train a horse. I believe that. It's like taking someone's car that they built from scratch. It's like taking a car that's also your dog. Like you have an emotional connection and also you've invested a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Also, while he's in jail, he freely speaks to any fucking inmate that will listen to him about how his desire for his, his entire life, his only like passion, his only goal in life is to have seven wives why and then he, and he talks about like i'm ar- i've already had three so how convenient that like one has divorced him and the other two are dead like he's looking for an, a way to get seven wives why what was his deal if you get seven wives do you get like 
a trophy from the devil? What right? Happens? Like, no, he never says. He just talks about like, you know, my life purpose is to wed seven women. But of course, he has a right to be defended. And so his, no. I know, right? Like <laughs> fucking no immediately. So his defense attorney is William Parks Ruscher and James P.D. Gardner. Their efforts to gather witnesses, alibis, and other evidence of his innocence must have been discouraging. For on May 20th, 1897, the Pocahontas Times reported that Trout Shoe, now in jail, awaiting trial for the murder of his wife, has threatened to kill himself. Oh, that was them trying to get sympathy for him? I, it's either them trying to get sympathy or it's just showing that he's like getting desperate because nobody will come to his aid to be a character witness. Although the case was based entirely on circumstantial evidence, the jury did convict Trout of murder after deliberating for only one hour and 10 minutes and sentenced him to life in state prison. Back then, they used to just like lynch people, you know, like yeah. anyone, didn't matter, like criminals, whatever. And that was their ultimate punishment. So a bunch of people in the town were really mad that they didn't get to hang him. Mm. And so they form this lynch mob and they go down to the state penitentiary where he's being held. And they are trying to break down the door. Wait, like a literal mob, like people with uh, pitchforks yes, and like fire? Yes, a literal lynch mob, like people with a rope, people with pitchforks, people with torches. They're like ready to go take him to the hanging tree. And somehow the sheriff manages to calm them down and convince them that actually it's way worse to be in jail for the rest of your life than put out of your misery. I'm sorry, but that has Alyssa energy all over <laughs> it. Angry mob that's like, we're going to hang him. We're going to kill this son of a bitch. And then you come out and you like, <clears throat> and like have a stack of papers. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a podium and then like a spotlight comes up and it's like people of this county I would like to present to you why I believe my punishment is actually better than your idea let me give you point A B and C you know what's so funny about that I actually have a relative who in Scotland or something there was this battle I don't remember what it was called it was in Scotland and he literally went out and gave a sermon to the two warring troops until they got so fucking bored that <laughs> They left. He just like saved. Wait, this is a real. This relative? is real. You can Google it. It's like a real historical moment. Like this is like a very well-known story in our family. And like if you Google it, it's there. You know what it is? You just have a power to get people to listen to you. So you have to use that power wisely. You could be like absolutely like I'm gonna use this power for evil, or you could be like mm, I'm gonna use this power to bore the shit out of everyone until they leave. <laughs> I'm gonna use my power to just make everyone fucking fall asleep, and either I can rob them. If I'm evil or I've just saved some life. I mean, the, so the sheriff gives this speech basically where he's like the, you know, the ruling that we came to give him life in prison actually is worse than lynching him. Right. So we, we were all on the same team here. We also want this guy to suffer as much as possible. And the way to do that is instead of lynching him and having him leave this earth immediately and not feel the pain is for him to live his entirety in prison, which probably sucks at that time worse exactly. than it does today. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like there were no... And deal with how he feels about this. Right. Like, of course, jail is fucking terrible. Prison is terrible. But imagine jail in the... 1800s right. like you have no amenities there's no commissary there's yeah. no, like you're performing hard labor for no pay your like, hygiene is horrible yeah you yeah you don't get conjugal visits like there's you don't get anything you no. don't have rights you don't have rights as a human being. no absolutely not you're like yeah. worse than an animal the sheriff talks some sense into this lynch mob which is like pretty ballsy and everyone like disperses and they're like all right fine yeah i would be scared to talk to a mob of people who's literally ready to kill someone i know like they have the noose in their hand what's going to keep them from taking you i feel like i would be the worst cop because <laughs> i would just be like no you know, I don't get paid enough to yeah. like 
do this. Yeah. Yeah. I well, just, yeah. Kudos to the sheriff. Yeah. The sheriff who is nameless in all of the accounts I read. And that's really a disservice to him. Yeah. I bet if I dug deeper on Ancestry.com, I could have He probably him. has a stupid name like McFlurry. <laughs> yeah. Gibraltar. Gibraltar Nutton Boltman. Yes. Gibraltar <laughs> Calamari Nutton Boltman was the sheriff. It is. It's now a fact. So they try to lynch him. Doesn't work out. And now Trout is transferred by train to his final prison that he's been going to this whole time in Moundsville. And he actually ends up dying on March 1st, 1900. So that's about three years after he is sentenced. So, I mean, it's probably a good thing they didn't lynch him. Yeah. Because they would have all been guilty of murder. Right. And he ended up dying three years later. Anyway. How did he die? Um, I guess like the conditions in prison were just so bad that mm. he just ended up getting sick and dying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mary Jean Hester, the mom of Zona, she lived until 1916 and she never once recounted her story, swearing until the day she died that Zona really had visited her after her death. This story marks the only confirmed time in United States history where a ghost solved their own murder. This is an article from the Greenbrier Independent, published July 8th, 1897, called Shoe Convicted of Murder. After an elaborate argument of the evidence by Messrs. Gilmer and Preston for the state and P.D. Gardner colored and Dr. Rucker for the accused, the case of the state versus E.S. Trout Shoe was given to the jury last Thursday afternoon, and the jury, after being out one hour and ten minutes, returned into court with a verdict of murder in the first degree, as charged in the indictment, but recommending that the accused be punished by imprisonment, which means under law that he be confined in the penitentiary for the term of his natural life. Dr. Rucker entered a motion for a new trial, but this was withdrawn the next morning and Shu will be duly sentenced before the court adjourns. Though the evidence was entirely circumstantial, the verdict meets general approval as all who heard the evidence are satisfied of the prisoner's guilt. After the murder, Shu had every opportunity to make his escape as four weeks elapsed before he was arrested and put in jail. The fact that he did not do so was explained by Mr. Gilmer in his argument by showing that Shu was all the time laboring under the impression that he could not be convicted on circumstantial evidence and felt secure in knowing that there was no witness but himself to the crime. This, Mr. Gilmer argued, showed not a lack of sense but information and accounts for Shu's presence at the inquest and his oft-repeated remark that they could not show he did it. Like, remember, we were saying that he kept repeating in jail, like, they they can't prove I did it, which is dumb. You should just say, I didn't do it if you're innocent, right? Like, yeah. they'll never prove I did it. Taking the verdict of the jury as ascertaining the truth, then we must conclude that Shu deliberately broke his wife's neck, probably with his strong hands, and with no other motive than to be rid of her that he might get another more to his liking. And if so, his crime is one of the most horrible, cruel, and revolting ever known in the history of this county. Mr. Preston deserves the thanks of the people for his diligence in hunting up the evidence and for his admirable management of the case before the jury. So now you're probably wondering, like, why doesn't this mention the ghost anywhere? Yeah. So the prosecution, so the people trying to convict Shu of murder, they did not want to talk about this ghost thing at all. Like, they were really embarrassed that the only reason why they reopened the case was because Mrs. Shu had received a ghostly visit from Zona. Yeah. Like, if she had never gone to them and been like, yo, the ghost of my daughter told me she was murdered, they would have never dug her up, they would have yeah. never found the evidence, and he would still be a free man. So they're trying to not talk about this at all, especially because at the time, communities straight from Europe were pretty religious, and yeah. talking about a ghost might be off-putting. However, the defense, 
defense who's defending Shu, they're like, we want to put Mrs. Hester on the stand because we want to have her tell this story about this ghost. So they're going to ask her about the ghost to like discredit her. Exactly. Yeah. So they want her to look like she's crazy or they yeah. want to try to trip her up to show that she's making the whole thing up. Yeah. Or make it look like she's consorting with the devil. Right. Exactly. Like she's a witch or something yeah. like she's necromancing, yeah. you know. Unfortunately, the trial transcripts were lost. However, the only part that was published in the paper was the part about the ghost. So Yay. we still that's like the only part I care about anyway. I know all these headlines should be like a ghost tells us that this guy murdered her. Ghost speaks out in defense. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to read you the only portion of the transcripts we have left that was published in a newspaper at the time and therefore is still available to us today. So this is from the Greenbrier Independent published July 1st, 1897 titled Mrs. Mary J. Hester, the mother of Mrs. Shu, sees her daughter in visions. The following very remarkable testimony was given by Mrs. Hester on the pending trial of E.S. Shu for the murder of his wife, her daughter, and led to the inquest and postmortem exam examination, which resulted in Shu's arrest and trial. Okay, so now I'm going to read you question and answer from the transcript. So anytime I say question, it's the defense attorney, and anytime I say answer, it's Mrs. Hester. Question. I have heard that you had some dream or vision which led to this post-mortem post examination. Answer. They saw enough theirselves without me telling them. It weren't no dream. She came back and told me that he was mad that she didn't have no meat cooked for his supper. But she said that she had plenty. She said that she had butter and apple butter, apples, and named over two or three different kinds of jellies, pears, and cherries, and raspberry jelly. And she said, I had plenty. And she says, don't you think that he was mad and just took down all my nice things and packed them away and just ruined them? And she told me where I could look down back of Aunt Martha Jones in the meadow in a rocky place that I could look in a cellar behind some loose plank and see. It was a square log house. It was hewed up to the square. And she said for me to look right at the right hand side of the door as you go in and at the right hand corner as you go in. Well, I saw the place just exactly as she told me, and I saw blood right there where she told me. And she told me something about that meat every night that she came, just as she did the first night. She came four times in four nights, but the second night she told me that her neck was squeezed off at the first joint, and it was just as she told me. Question. Now, Mrs. Hester, this sad affair was very particularly impressed upon your mind, and there was not a moment during your waking hours that you did not dwell upon it. Answer, no, sir, and there is not yet either. Question, and was, and was this not a dream founded upon your distressed condition of mind? Answer, no, sir, it weren't no dream, for I was as wide awake as I ever was. Question, then if not a dream or dreams, what do you call it? Answer, I prayed to the Lord that she might come back and tell me what had happened, and I prayed that she might come herself and tell on him. Question, do you think that you actually saw her in flesh and blood? Answer. Yes, sir, I do. I told them the very dress that she was killed in. And when she went to leave me, she turned her head completely around and looked at me like she wanted me to know all about it. And the very next time she came back to me, she told me all about it. The first time she came, she seemed that she did not want to tell me as much as she did afterwards. The, ni the last night she was there, she told me that she did everything she could do. And I am satisfied that she did do all that too. Question. Now, Mrs. Hester, don't you know that these visions, as you term them or describe them, were nothing more or less than four dreams founded upon your distress? Answer. 
No, I don't know it. The Lord sent her to me to tell it. I was the only friend that she knew she could tell and put any confidence in. I was the nearest one to her. He gave me a ring that he pretended she wanted me to have, but I don't know what dead woman he might have taken it off of. I wanted her own ring and he would not let me have it. This lady's like just calling him out. Yeah, wait. So after she died, he gave the mom a ring that wasn't the one he gave her? Exactly. And the mom's like, why are you giving me this ring? And he's like, well, Zona wanted you to have this. And she's like, this isn't even her ring. Mm -hmm. Okay, so question. Mrs. Hester, are you positively sure that these are not four dreams? Answer. Yes, sir. It was not a dream. I don't dream when I'm right awake, when I'm wide awake, to be sure. And I know I saw her right there with me. Question. Are you not considerably superstitious? Answer. No, sir, I'm not. I was never that way before, and I'm not now. Question. Do you believe the scriptures? Answer. Yes, sir. I have no reason not to believe it. Question. And do you believe the scriptures contain the word of God and his son? Answer. Yes, sir, I do. Don't you believe it? Question. Now, I would like, if I could, to get you to say that these were four dreams and not four visions or appearances of your daughter in flesh and blood. <laughs> they're not doing a very good no, job. No, they're doing a terrible all. job. Answer. I am not going to say that, for I am not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> question then you insist that she actually appeared in flesh and blood to you upon four different occasions answer yes sir <laughs> question did she not have any other conversation with you other than upon the matter of her death answer yes sir some little things some things i have forgotten just a few words i just wanted the particulars about her death and i got them question when she came did you touch her answer yes sir i got up on my elbows and reached out a little further as I wanted to see if people came in their coffins and I sat up and leaned on my elbow and there was light in the house. It was not a lamp light. I wanted to see if there was a coffin, but there was not. She was just like she was when she left this world. It was just after I went to bed and I wanted her to come talk to me and she did. This was before the inquest and I told my neighbors. They said she was exactly as I told them she was. Question. Had you ever seen the premises where your daughter lived? Answer. No, sir, I had not, but I found them just exactly as she told me it was. And I never laid eyes on that house until since her death. She told me this before I knew anything of the buildings at all. Question. How long was it after this when you had these interviews with your daughter until you did see buildings? Answer. It was a month or more after the examination. It has been a little over a month since I saw her. Recross examination. Question. You said your daughter told you down, that down by the fence in a rocky place you would find some things? Answer. She said for me to look there. She didn't say I would find some things, but for me to look there. Question. Did she tell you what to look for? Answer. No, she did not. I was so glad to see her I forgot to ask. Question. Have you ever examined that place since? Answer. Yes, sir. We looked at the fence a little, but didn't find anything. And that's the end of the only transcript we have from the trial. Wow. So basically this totally backfires on the defense because they're hoping she's going to like look crazy. Right. Say that she doesn't believe in God and then look like she's consorting with the devil. Yeah. Or that she's going to change her story up and then they're going to be able to poke holes in it. But she tells the exact same story. Yeah. And all the witnesses they call like neighbors who heard the story. They're like, no, that's literally the story she told us. Well, I think too, what I forgot until you were telling this, uh, reading this interview is that her parents disapproved of the marriage. So they had to go to a different county to get married and then she she had uh, 
her and her husband had moved to this place and her parents had never seen exactly where they lived. never visited and they didn't see how would she know what dress she died in either exactly. because she was wearing the dress that her husband changed her into when anyone saw the body exactly so she how could she have known what dress she had died in how could she have known what the building looked like because the daughter says go to the cellar mm-hmm. like look in the right hand corner and you'll find blood and she found it there yeah. when they went to look she found the stains so basically the whole point is this totally backfires on them they're thinking everyone's going to think she's crazy and mm-hmm. actually everyone's like no she's telling the truth her mm-hmm. story has never changed so many things check out yeah. and like she doesn't seem crazy at all no she doesn't no and then the worst thing that the defense does is that they allow trout to testify in his own defense and what basically what trout does when he's on the stand is he just rambles about stuff that's happened in his life that really has nothing to do with what he's being tried for and so he just comes off as like super unlikable Mm -hmm. and then he at the very end of his testimony he turns to the jury looks at all of them and goes look into my eyes look into my eyes and you will see that I am not guilty. It was like the way he said it was like scary. So scary and like intimidating that everyone was like, no, he's guilty. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So it totally just like everything they did was Well, I mean, if he horrible. gets so irate that when the doctor is checking this woman's body that the doctor gets scared and leaves, like I feel like that's probably a pretty violent person. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's like, dog, get away from my wife. Like you yeah. can't look at her. And the doctor's like, okay, you probably killed your wife and I don't want to be next. So exactly. I'm leave. Like I'm alone in this room with you. Never mind. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it sounds like too the way that the body was found by the kid, it sounds like trout killed this woman the night before or whatever um for whatever reason and then in the morning was like okay i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna lay the body at the bottom of the stairs and make it look like she had like a heart attack or something right like she fell down the stairs yeah and then i'm gonna go ask this kid to come over and the kid's gonna find it so that that is gonna make it seem like it was my alibi like oh i wasn't there because she died in the morning when i was gone doing something exactly like she had a heart attack fell down the stairs broke her neck yeah and i was gone he cleaned up all the blood i'm sure if they examined his body he would have had like scratches and stuff on oh him. i'm sure yeah yeah because he killed her the night before when she didn't make the meat that he yeah or something. yeah well according to the mom the zona said that she had been fixing dinner for her husband mm-hmm. he came home and he starts beating on her because he says you didn't make me meat mm. but she's saying i had made him meat like there was meat there was jam there was fruit like there were biscuits like all of the, she's naming all the different foods that she had made for him so it made no sense like he just wanted an excuse to kill me like he said he's his entire goal in life is to have seven wives he's already gone through two this is now his opportunity to get rid of the third why if you're just gonna make up a reason to be mad at someone and it's just you two in the room why not just say like you fucking bitch i want i want a new wife like i'm gonna kill you you know why like say something that you both know isn't true i think it's just like a classic example of like a shitty narcissist in a relationship gaslighting the other person you didn't make me the meat and then you start thinking you're crazy you're like but i did make the meat it's right there like yeah. why doesn't he see it did i not make it right like am i crazy yeah, like what's was it going not on? enough was yeah it not what he asked for okay exactly classic 1800s gaslighting yeah yeah so the state of west virginia has erected a state historical marker near the cemetery in which zona shoe is buried it reads interred in nearby cemetery is zona hester shoe Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to the state prison. It is the only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped to convict a murderer. 
That is an amazing story. Isn't that like crazy? I really believe that one too. Me too. Yeah. I believe it. A lot of people. So I guess I'll explain really briefly the skeptic side because I came across it in all the well, they're going to probably say the mother just said this. She knew that she had been murdered. Exactly or right. Yeah. Like they basically just say that. But then how does she explain how, where she knew where the stains and I the blood know. was? That's my thing. The fact that her story never changed really says a lot because like we just said, firsthand witness testimony is notoriously unreliable. Even when you're telling the truth, it's really hard to remember the exact sequence of events. And so I think it's really telling that she told the neighbors the same story. Every single neighbor she talked to, start to finish, same story. Prosecutor, start to finish, same story. On trial, like same, start to finish. And on cross-examination, like, and then she got re-cross-examined, like it never changed. I don't understand this trout guy. He just kept working in the month after his wife was buried because he was thinking that they would never, he got away with it. But like, why not move away? I think that, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I guess he just didn't want to look guilty by moving away. Maybe, or maybe he he was comfortable there. Maybe he had his eyes on another girl that lived in the town. I guess he got away with beating his wife, right? Mm -hmm. And then, which he could have very well murdered her from beating her, the first one. But luckily she got away because those three teenage boys and their school teacher threw him in a river. The second one, he did get away with murdering her, but he moved away after, like you said. But those first two people were in the same county those first two wives anyone who's listening to this if you're ever in an altercation with somebody and that person starts getting violent the best thing to do is to run away like do not try to reason with this person don't try to talk to them get the fuck out whatever you have to do and maybe if she would have just been like yep i didn't make the meat let me go get you some Maybe she could have gotten away. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just so hard to know when you're in. That's what makes gaslighting so dangerous, right? Is that it really does make you feel like you're crazy. Right. And then so you're like, well, I don't want to leave until I understand what I did wrong. Like maybe I can make it better. This is just a misunderstanding. The sanctity of marriage is so important to me. I'm going to try to work this out with my husband. Well, and also I think she's probably just stoked there was somebody who wanted to marry her when she had had this child out of wedlock. Well, that's what I was going to ask too. Where is this child? So we don't know. When I was on ancestry.com I this is what I think happened but it doesn't say this in any of the newspapers on their family tree there is like a significantly younger child that says that it says belongs to the her mom and dad I think they probably adopted the child okay they yeah. just took it yeah but it okay. doesn't I mean that's just me speculating I could be totally wrong you know if having a kid out of wedlock is I mean, even now there's still stigma attached to it, which is fucking stupid. You should be able to do whatever you want with your life. But imagine that in the 1800s where women have no rights. Yeah. And so it's just like you now your your worth is zero because right. you've had this child out of wedlock. You're no longer a virgin. You're no longer pure. Like, right. And so she's probably really excited that this blacksmith from out of town who's like good looking and mm-hmm. charming is just like interested in her. You know, there was a recent study that was published where it says that uh, both men and women can predict based on images if a man is a cheater. I don't know if you really know. No. So what they did was they took groups of men and groups of women and they showed them photos of people who um, were faithful and photos of people who said that they had cheated before. And both the men and the women were able to look at the photos and pick out the men who were cheaters, but they weren't able to pick out the women who were cheaters. Oh my God, that's so interesting. The finding says that basically both men and women can pick out 
men who have red flags, but women who have red flags, you can't see it as well. That is so interesting. Isn't that random? Oh my God, I'm going to go read that after this. It well, was on Betches.com. Yeah. <laughs> so you know you can trust it. If a website is called Betches, you know that that's some great A research. Honestly, our podcast has some really good research and we're called Let's Get Haunted. So I want to tell you my sources and then I'm going to show you some photos and then I want to talk about like final thoughts. Tell the sources last. Oh, okay. You want to see the pictures first? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I th- That's just the way it's going to be for me. Okay. <laughs> Always. So wait, I want to make a in. prediction of what I think this trout guy looks like. Okay. Just based off of what I know about pieces of shit guys that yeah. I've met. <laughs> he's tall. He has very masculine features. He's fit and he's smizing. Smizing? Like smoldering. Well, come like sit he's, on down. He's self-aware. Like, it's not just going to be a photo that someone took, like, from behind a rock where he wasn't paying attention. Like, he's going to be posing for the photo. Okay. So, we have a picture of Zona. Oh, yeah. Zona's cute. She's like a little Victorian babe. She's got a fucking staff and one of those big My Fair Lady hats on. She's, like, uh, attractive for the time. Like, you can tell she has features that are attractive for her time period. Yeah. She doesn't look like an old witch. Which no. Which I think is, like all it took to be attractive in the 1800s (laughs) it's like you have all your skin all right let's get married here we have trout oh yeah he's super good looking yeah he kind of looks like patrick swayze just like he's good looking for modern times so you know he had to be really good looking for then this is his dad okay so trout's dad looks like scary yeah he looks like the the old dutchman yeah honestly he's got like literally like a zz top beard a full mustache he looks like he's been in so many civil wars why is his neck so long i don't know if this is like a drawing or if this is actually a photo like i can't tell like the more i look at it the more i'm like this is going to come out of the screen and haunt me I, i mean he doesn't look like he's gonna make an attractive son that's for sure no absolutely not okay so then we're gonna have pictures of the trout house slash farm so there's their house. It's oh, a cute little yeah, house. Okay, so th- very haunted though because it doesn't have many windows. And as we all know, bad interior design, bad feng shui invites yes. demons into your house. But for the most part, I mean, I don't know much about this area, but I would say this is a pretty big home for the 1800s. Or it looks like they were, you know, comfortable for two people to be living in that house. Yeah, it's two stories. Like. It's- it's two stories. I would be real stoked. It's a real house. Yeah. It's not like... You White know. picket fence, literally. Yeah, it looks like it's good. They have two chimneys. Yeah. So there's here's the one photo we have of what the inside of the house looks like. I'm not sure what room this was taken in. Okay, so they've got wallpaper on the walls. They've got chairs. It looks like they have an appliance on the wall, which might have been like some sort of like bell call or like heating or something. Yeah. So I want to say this looks like they had a good, they had a good comfortable life and situation going on. That might have been a motive for him to marry her. I don't know. Yeah. So here's, this one's going to make you laugh. This is a drawing that Trout drew from his jail cell of him and Zona. Okay, so he drew a photo of them. It looks like he's sitting down in a chair with his legs crossed and she's standing up doing, I can't tell what her body is doing. I don't know. It looks like she has a gun in her arms, but I know it's not. I know it's like just him being a shitty drawer. So then now we have a picture of Zona's grave. In memory of Zona Hester shoot, and then in quotations, the Greenbrier ghost, 1876 to 1897. It's kind of cool that she's, you know, it says she was the Greenbrier ghost. 
in this area of the U.S., this is recognized as fact. Like, people wholeheartedly believe that she is the reason why her murder was solved. She came back from the dead. She spoke to her mom. And then through her mother was able to tell her story um, against the man who murdered her in a court of law. And then she never got... She never came back. I guess she exactly. got to rest peacefully yeah, after that. Exactly. Um, my sources are WashingtonPost.com posted an article on October 31st of this year by Jillian Brockle. Brockle? And it's called A Halloween Story. The time an apparition helped convict a murderer. Then, of course, I also used Wikipedia. And then I also used Ancestry.com for family lineage information and for some photos. And then there was this really helpful article called The Greenbrier Ghost by Katie Letcher Lyle. And she also wrote a book about the case in case anyone wants to Google her and find the book and read more about it. She's a skeptic. So if you want the skeptic point of view, you can get her book. And then I also found all of the old archived articles that I read were on www.wvculture.org slash history slash crime slash shoe articles dot html and then um, her mom mary jane hester died in 1916 and like i said she never recounted her story and she could have she could have just been like yeah that's right i'm so smart that i made this up and look i got him convicted yeah because technically he wasn't even convicted so much on the testimony of the ghost as mm -hmm. he was that when the they evidence of the body exactly yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of interesting, too, how when this ghost comes up, she's just like having typical mom and daughter bullshit chat where she's like, well, he says that I didn't make the meat. But like, listen to this fucking meal that I made. Yeah. And I just love how she lists off everything. I know. She's like raspberry jam, peach jam, like right. blueberry preserves, like whatever, meat, uh, potatoes. Right. And wouldn't you know that he packed up all of my nice things and like, right. it's yeah. Like just bitching and be like, and guess what? He took the fucking carousel picture that I yeah. got from the world's fair and he put it in this box down in the basement what a dick exactly like, and let's get this prick and this <laughs> honestly makes it more believable to me because yeah. i'm like why waste your time saying all of that stuff she, like, she was a scorned woman for yeah. sure she mm -hmm. was pissed exactly which makes me wonder if you're mad enough can you come back from the grave Ooh, that's the question because it seems like we you know we always ask like why did this ghost come and it's always like oh well they are at unrest there's something about you know they couldn't cross over for some reason you know that takes a lot of determination to like be like no i i'm going to let somebody know what happened to me i'm going to help solve my own murder well it also wasn't just like she came out of nowhere her mom had to pray for what four weeks straight this just shows you that when women are pissed off enough and we join forces only way that ghost was going to appear the only way that portal came about was from that mom being like this fucking asshole that i told her not to marry right i'm gonna pray her back into existence i'm gonna <laughs> scold my daughter for being a dumbass right and then the daughter comes forth and she's like but i wasn't being a dumbass mom listen to what i did this guy's just an ass <laughs> yeah mom like it's not my fault like i didn't fall down the stairs or i didn't have die yeah. of childbirth i didn't have a heart attack i didn't die of everlasting faint like this dude fucking murdered me right i know i think you're totally right this is just a great example of the power of women look here's the thing if you want seven wives that's fine but don't murder people to get to that end goal. Just divorce them. Just make them so annoyed with you that, that you they both divorce end you. It. Yeah. yeah. It's not that hard. Just or be always coming home with whiskey dick. Don't like shower or bathe anymore. <laughs> like never do your chores. Never brush your teeth. God. Like have a terrible personality. Neglect them emotionally. Yeah. 
Or, you know what, just sack up and tell them you want a divorce. How about that? Or move to Utah and get a religious exemption so that you can marry seven wives at the same time. Boom, your life goal is already accomplished and you're so young, so much left to to do with your life. Don't marry a 15-year-old when you're in your 20s. Don't honestly don't marry a 15 year old period. If you're 15, you're listening to this right now. Don't get married. God, please don't get married. Like if you're 18 listening to this right now, please don't get married. I promise you it will end in divorce. (laughs) I feel like the only reason why people who are 18 get married because it's romantic. I think it's because either they're super religious and they want to have sex, but they have to wait till they get married. Or it's because your partner is going into the military. Mm. and, And like in the military case, I do understand but like 95% of the people I know who got married straight out of high school are divorced now. In fact, yeah. I can't think of maybe it's 100%. I can't think of a single person who's still married. Okay, so you turn 16, you can drive a car. Mm-hmm. So right, like you want to drive a car. You turn 21, you can drink. So you go out and drinking. You turn 25, you can rent a car. So you rent a car. You turn 18, you can, um, you know, get married. So you want to get married. I think it's like one of those things. It's like this option is now available to me. Right. I'm 18. I can buy cigarettes and I can get married without a note from my parents. Yeah. And so I think that's why people do it. And also when you're 18 and you're in this like relationship with someone you've never had a relationship before, it's like the most significant thing in your life. You're probably just like, ooh, let's get married because like we're going to, you know, make a family and do all this cool stuff that I saw in movies and read about in books. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely right. I think that the way that I was raised is so opposite of that 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 never even occurred to me when I was in high school like I never once thought I'm gonna marry this person that I'm dating even people that I really liked that I was dating and like had a great time dating them I think I was just always raised to know like you're not gonna marry this person like I was told so many times by family and this was like honestly the best advice anyone ever gave me like right now this seems like a lot like if you're going through a breakup or whatever but like just know that you were never gonna marry this person anyway like if something bad would happen and we'd break up I'd be like you know what I guess I don't really care because it's not like we had a future anyway the more breakups you go through it definitely makes you a little bit more bitter but it also makes you more empathetic like I feel like because I've had my heart broken multiple times when I see someone else who's going through that I'm like oh I know what that feels like so right. I'm gonna respect that oh Where yeah before I could just be like mm, you're being a pussy or something right you know it feels I, yeah. like the end of the world sometimes. I had never gotten my heart broken before until I got cheated on. That was so different than any other breakup I'd been through because all the other breakups was me breaking up with that person. I wasn't interested anymore. Right. And then I went through a situation where I was cheated on and I was just like, oh my God. Because, it really bends oh. your perception of reality. Yeah. yeah. My, the first guy that I dated and fell in love with, he ended up cheating on me and that's why we broke up or whatever. But it like, I just felt like, wow, was... Is everyone lying to me? Can I yeah. trust anyone? It like, totally warps your whole perception. I That was the moment where I was like, maybe I don't know everything that's going yeah. on because it just caught me so out of left field. Up until that point, I had been like, I understand men. I have one up on them because I get it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to end it when I'm ready and there's nothing they can do about it, like type of mentality. When you get cheated on, even if you're the person that does the breaking up, it's not your choice. That There's person n- broke your trust. Yeah. yeah. And like they're basically forcing you to break up with them. It's it's being in emotional relationships is hard. Like your emotions are entangled and your lives are entangled. And I can only imagine what this woman felt like, you know, she ha- already had a child out of wedlock and she's like getting married to this dude. And I'm sure there was times before that because, you know, th- that doesn't just come out of nowhere. People who are violent like that, they... 
there's signs leading up to it that this one only everyone found out about it because she died right so i'm sure she wanted to leave before but she was thinking well i'm never gonna be able to get married i'm never gonna you know this is my husband so yeah like i don't want to pass up on this opportunity to marry this handsome like blacksmith from another town over who's very interested in me even though i have this child out of wedlock they got married for the wrong reasons you should never make choices on fear i think the fear of not getting something better the fear of this being the wrong choice the fear of anything like i feel like if you are ever on the fence about whether or not you should do something anything you think about why am i doing this am i doing this because i'm afraid of a different outcome or am i doing this because i genuinely want to do this totally yeah yeah anything based off of fear is going to end in disaster or maybe you come back as a ghost and you're famous. Yeah, maybe you come back as a ghost and you maybe you haunt the shit out of the person that murdered you by straight up getting them convicted of your murder. I wonder if she haunted him. Oh, I hope so. I mean, he would never say that because that no. makes him look super guilty. Yeah. But. Well, dude, he was already in jail. First of all, in jail, just doodling weird drawings of him and his wife that he murdered telling other inmates oh i'm gonna have seven wives the other inmates are like this guy's pretty fucked up because they told people that he was saying that that's such a good story Alyssa. thank you glad you liked it because it's different than most of the ones that i've told because i told you all like straight from the jump what it is i'm glad you did because otherwise i've been like why are you telling me this really sad story yeah <laughs> i'm excited to tell you my story for next yeah week. oh and you guys next week's episode's gonna be another good one because we have a special guest and we're not gonna tell you who it is yeah but it's a good one trust us yeah brb (laughs) gotta go form a team of vigilantes with my local school teachers and friends and throw someone we hate into an ice river perfect love it (laughs) (laughs) all right bye bye
What's that? Over there. Could it be? Have I finally found it? Oh my god. It is. It's finally mine. The Lost Dutchman's Treasure. Let's get haunted! Let's get haunted!